KBD Radio, and I'm Autumn McGar here with you on year 30 of quarantine. Uh, before we get started, just a quick plug for Kitchen and Bath Design News' uh, 2020 Innovators. Nominations are open now through August 1st for any dealer or designer you think is making a positive difference in the industry. Uh, you can visit our website at kitchenbathdesign.com for more info and the nomination form. And yes, you can self-nominate. Uh, moving on today, we're talking with Cheryl Keys Clendenin. She is the owner of In Detail Interiors, and she's got over 19 years of experience in the industry. Cheryl, it's great to have you with us today. Hi, Autumn. It's great to be here. Happy to talk to you about uh, anything you want to talk about. Awesome. World peace, that's what we mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, get just to get a little intro to you, uh, just give me a kind of uh, a quick intro to you and your business. What made you decide to start your own business and, and how has it evolved since you started? Um, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good story. Um, it might take up too long to go into too much of that, but uh, the reader Digest version is that um, I uh, had bought and sold a lot of property. I, I was in media and uh, advertising and marketing um, and sales uh, in San Diego before I moved here. And um, I had uh, bought and sold a lot of homes over the years and flipped them and that sort of thing. So I always had an interest in that uh, in that arena. Sure. But the truth is, is that uh, uh, I got kicked in the teeth um, with a bad divorce and had two small children and needed to have gainful employment. <laughs> and, um, and I took what I had been doing. I mean, that's the truth, you know, and, uh, and I took what um, I had been doing for friends and, and whatnot while I wasn't uh, working here because my kids were, were very little um, and took, took that uh, hobby and sort of ratcheted it up a notch and and um, started learning everything I could and, and uh, started out in the kitchen and bath world. Um, we do full service interior design now along with um, plans and that sort of thing from the ground up. We just launched uh, that uh, recently this year. Wow. Um, so now we, we are completely full, full, full service, you know, except that we don't, we don't build, we can build, but we don't, don't, right. you know, build, we don't have a contractor on staff in other words. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the divorce was really what uh, motivated me to start the business. You want to know the truth. And I, and I needed to be have a business where I could be flexible and that I could work for myself. And, you know, the truth is, is I kind of suck as an employee. <laughs> so it was a good it was a good thing for me to be able to um, to, to do and and uh, and be my own boss. And, and I'm a hard worker and that sort of thing. So all the things about uh, running a business yourself. Um, that some people look as uh, as a detriment. Um, it was a positive for me. You know, um, I don't I don't mind working on the weekends. I don't mind working for five dollars an hour to start out. Right. I, I, I might have actually made like three fifty an hour when I first started twenty years ago. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But um, you know, anyway, but, you know, my husband is very different. He's a, he's a person that um, he likes his uh, his job the way it is, and and uh, he's in a leadership role. But um, he comes home at four o'clock and he's done. You know, he's done for the day for the most part. You know, so. So it's it's a different uh, mindset and personality, um, but uh, but we started out in kitchen and bath, um, and I've I've had employees and a team since year two. Um, I had always had a team before, so it was kind of natural for me. Uh, I was a manager um, of a large, two large radio stations in California uh, when I was 23 years old. Oh, wow! So I was thrust in a in that sort of a role very um, very early on. So it was normal for me to have a team, and and so. Uh, year two, I hired my first assistant, and I hired another one, and I hired another one, and I just kept kept mushrooming from there. Um, and I think that's something important to note because I just said this to somebody today um, that I think that one of the big mistakes designers 
make uh, or kitchen and bath um, uh, designers that are maybe solo or have small practices is they don't hire soon enough. Mm. You know, people are scared and they, and they, they don't just kind of go for it. And, and really, I, I will tell you, my team is my best asset. Number one, by far, by far my best asset. And, and they are really my secret to success is, is having a really awesome, great team. So I think that people get scared a lot. Um, and we talk about this a lot in the group, you know, on Facebook that, that you're a member of small business, think big. And uh, I try to encourage people to, um, to think about hiring people because really, and you just look at it for like a 90 day thing to me, you know, like 90 days, you know, like, is this person going to be able to make it in 90 days? Is it going to work for me? And you don't look at it like, Oh my God, I'm hiring somebody for the rest of my life kind of deal. You know, I'm in, I'm into bite-sized chunks. Um, so anyway, that's uh, sort of our story. And we, we um, during the recession in 2008, 2009 ish, we um, that's when we decided. I, I guess I was like not watching the news or something. I that's when I decided to um, go full service and sell uh, furniture <laughs> and, and really do other things because people had been asking us forever, and we sort of had been uh, getting into it like a little bit, like you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And getting you know natural uh, areas like dining rooms and breakfast areas and things like that that are natural to the kitchen and bath world, um, and then slowly getting into it. But I wasn't making enough money doing that, so uh, I quickly realized that selling product was the way to to make more money. Um, so uh, so I leased a, a bigger building and um, right in the middle of all that uh, craziness, and um, started started you know doing more with furniture, you know. And so that was what 11 years ago, I guess. Uh, doing that. So that's how we've evolved now into um, doing full service uh, interior design, sort of a natural evolution. I've always thought, and I'll, I'll say this out loud, and I may get some grief from interior designers, but I've always thought if you can design a kitchen or a bathroom with all the moving parts and all the issues that go along with it, and all the detail work that you have to know about, and all the different factions of of uh, ergonomics and appliances and and you know materials and tile transitions and all the things you have to do, you sure as heck can design a living room or a bedroom <laughs> or an entire house. You right. know, and it's true. I think I think sometimes kitchen and bath designers don't give themselves enough credit, and they're scared to go into um, it, you know into more full service design because it's it's kind of a foreign thing to them. And yes, there's a lot to learn, no doubt. I mean, there's tons to learn. Just window treatments alone will be a huge uh, thing for people to learn. But I encourage people to diversify um, in the kitchen and bath world into other areas. They don't have to do full service like we did, but but there's a lot of money being left on the table by a lot of people because they are scared to diversify into other uh, arenas. And so um, that's my little, uh, you know, plug for people's like, you know, if you're a kitchen and bath designer, you can do it well. By golly, <laughs> you can sure as heck do the rest of it, too. That's a really interesting point. And I, another interesting point you made was that a lot of designers don't hire soon enough. How, how do you know when it's time to hire, do you think? Uh, when you're pulling out your hair and, and banging your head against the wall, I think is a good is a good sign. You know, um, <laughs> the person I saw today just you know an hour ago that said something about it, and everyone was talking about virtual assistants and all, which is great. You know, that's a great option. Um, but man, there's nothing like having somebody in your in your business in your in your uh, sphere every day that you can talk to and you can communicate with and and all that. And um, I think that um, when you really get to that point of having more leads and you're pushing people out, you know, 60 days or more to do work, you know, and potentially losing that job, that's the time to hire. 
and, and people think they have to hire somebody else that knows everything they do. I mean, my first rule is don't hire somebody who wants to be you, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want to do. You know, um, there's only one you and you don't want to hire someone that wants to be you. So you look for people that complement your skills. There's a great book um, called, uh, dang, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it goes into uh, integrators and visionaries and uh, rocket fuel. It's called rocket fuel. I knew it comes mm. to me in just a second. Um, and that book, I have sent it to people. I have, I have, I, it's small. It's easy to read, but it is so great about um, teaching you about uh where you fall and what you need to have. And I think every visionary needs an integrator and every integrator needs a visionary. Mm-hmm. But I am fortunate that I have Liz, who is my integrator and uh, an amuse of sorts and keeps me on the straight and narrow. Um, she's been a gift uh, like crazy. So I, I think that, you know, when you hire has to be, you know, you need to have at least, uh, you know, I would say, you know, minimum of 90 days, but, but really more like double that, more six months of um, income. And you kind of put it aside, okay? When I fire, hired my first graduate architect, um, I was scared, you know, because that was, uh, you know, 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can afford him. And, I mean, it wasn't that much money, you know? I mean, it, it really wasn't. But, but what I did is I actually, I, I knew that I had enough money to pay this person to come on. And I knew that he would he would either make it or break it within 90 days to be able to, uh, to, to make it work. And he ended up going on and working for himself, uh, you know, after a year or so. But, but the point is, is that I felt comfortable and could sleep at night because I had some of that money put away. So, so it's an investment, but it's yeah. your best capital investment is, is hiring the right people. You know, it really is. It is, it is to me like, like a, like, I don't want to liken people to machinery, you know, cause obviously that's not what I'm trying to say, but, but it's like that for a business that, where the machinery is very important, right. you know, the human machinery and the people that you hire are so, so important to your, to your uh, culture of your business, um, to, to advancing you, to being able to allow you to really flourish and do the, do what you do best. You know, Liz, having Liz and, and the rest of my team, I have six people, um, really allow me to, um, to, to flourish and, and bring new, new things to the party, you know? So it helps us all. We all thrive off of, off of each other. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, to know exactly when to do that. I would just say, if you have the money, if you have the, the demand and then you have the money to, um, to pay somebody for 90 days and you look at it just 90 days, just not like, don't, mm-hmm. don't go down that road of thinking, Oh, I'm going to have this person in the next five years. How am I going to pay for this? No. You look at it for 90 days because within 90 days, you need to be very focused on training that person and making sure that it's a good fit between the two of you. Because a lot of times it's not a good fit. It doesn't mean that you're not a good uh, boss or they're not a good employee or anything. It doesn't mean that at all. Not everybody is cut out to be in our crazy world, Autumn. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that you can relate to that, you know, knowing so many crazy people like me. Um, not everybody is cut out to be it. My husband would, would rather work at like, I think McDonald's or something if, if he had been to work in this business. Cause he just looks at me like, like, really what? Like, what is, you know, there's no, he's, he's into like a little more order and that sort of thing. So I think that it's, um, important just to look at that 90 days and think about it and, and be very trained. But, but before anybody hires anybody, what I would suggest is that they be very careful about making sure that your, your processes are in order and that you have them written down so that you don't have somebody start and then, and then you know, give them, like, all this baggage to, to try to, um, you know, achieve success and, and you really haven't 
prepared them. And it took me a long time to realize that, longer than I would care to admit that I was, when somebody wasn't working out quite right, that really I was the problem and sure. not them. And, it, and, it, and I, I hate that, you know, there'll probably, there might be a few of my ex-employees that read this and go, yeah, finally she's saying that, you know, out loud, oh my God. <laughs> but, um, but it's the truth. It, it took me a while to really see that, uh, that it wasn't always the other person, um, you know, that it, was, that it was me not preparing that person and not being able to give them the tools to work with and the parameters and being very clear on what my expectations were. You know, somehow or another, I expected them to just, you know, uh, realize like in, in my 15 minute, uh, you know, here, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then if that happens, do this, that they were expected to do it. So, so probably about uh, nine or 10 years ago, I really got very serious about making sure that my processes were in order. And uh, even though they change, they're very fluid. They change like sometimes weekly, you know, depending yeah. on what new thing, what new thing happens. Uh, but I do think it's important for people to, to be prepared for it so that they start out with the absolute best scenario that they can when they are hiring somebody new. And, um, and so that, that would be my advice, you know, on that. And then, and then to really, you know, think, you know what, this is not a lifetime thing. You know, I don't have to commit to this person and be honest with them, the person too, and say, Hey, let's, let's give it a whirl and see, and see what happens. And if we can make this work together and, and be honest and upfront with each other. And then if it, if it doesn't work, let's, let's agree to shake hands and, and move on and, and all that sort of thing. And when you're open with people like that, I think that there, it takes a little bit of the stress out of the situation for both of you. Definitely. Now you actually run a Facebook community with advice for industry pros called small business think big, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, you know, how, have you seen this community actually rally during what has become a massively industry upsetting time um, during this pandemic? Like, how do you think these kinds of connections are going to help the industry weather the storm? Um, well, I'll tell you, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact that um, that just today, just today, and you're in the group, so you would you would have seen this too. Just today, somebody said hey, you know what, I, I got the loan, you know, I got the SBA loan, and I got mm -hmm. more than I thought, and if it weren't for you, Cheryl, I wouldn't have, uh, if you hadn't have been, she said pushing, but I, but she really meant badgering, <laughs> I think I badgered people quite a bit about it, um, if, you, if you hadn't done this, then I, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence or the, or the uh, impetus to, to do it, and I, so I think that that right now, that has been my biggest contribution, and also the group's contribution, because everybody, um, contributes. It's not, this isn't a one man show right. here. This is a group and they all uh, contribute. And um, I've been careful. I will say that I'm a, I'm a good moderator in the sense that if it, uh, for a while there, I, I made it so that the comments had to go through me just for a short period of time because there was a lot of misinformation going out. Sure. So I wanted to kind of control that a little bit because people were getting weary. And if you keep, uh, you know, badgering them with information and then it turns out to be wrong, then that's not good. For me, I'm, I'm a, um, you know, some people might, you know, call me a know-it-all, you know, maybe in not a nice way, but I like to think of myself as being one in a, in a, in the positive way, meaning that if I am going to talk about something, I want to know about it. And I want to know about it, not from reading, you know, an article here or an article there. I mean, I've been in media, I was in media for, for many, many years. I understand how media works. Yeah. It, it works today the same way as it worked, you know, then it's just, more of it, more, more, more options for media and, and disinformation. So um, I wanted to make sure, so I go straight to the source and I read the bill 
and uh, and then I kept up on all the FBA interim rules. So so when I was talking about it, I think that people trusted me and they they understood that I uh, had their best interests in mind. But that really would be in the in the light of because um, it is a business group. Mm-hmm. This is I, I make a big deal about it not being you know occasionally I let through somebody asking for a reference for a piece of furniture or something, but that's not what it's about. There's plenty of groups out there already. Um, they're really good. Uh, Veronica's, um, um, you know, what they didn't teach you in business school is, yeah. is excellent group for that. And, and also business as well. But, but it's, you know, mine is focused very much on business. So I try to not have a lot of um, extraneous information uh, going out. And so if someone does post it, I'll, li- I'll leave it up for a little while and then I'll take it down mm-hmm. um, just because it's, it's done its thing. So I want to focus on business. And I think that, uh, that that's where, why people go there is to talk about business or marketing or branding or whatever, anything that relates to that. So it's a broad topic. But, um, but, the, but the, the PPP loan, the payroll protection loan, um, and then the FBA EIDL loan have been probably the biggest uh, contributions uh, from myself and the rest of the group. Um, for people being able to, uh, you know, right now, you know, during this time of COVIDness and coronaness, <laughs> uh, whatever we're going to call it, uh, whatever we're going to look back and his- history calls it, I guess. Um, and uh, that's something that's been um, near and dear to my heart because the, the woman today uh, was one of one of many who have reached out to me personally and said, you know, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't if you hadn't kept talking about it. If other people hadn't chimed in and said, oh, hey, I got it. It kept me going. Because yeah. if they got it, then maybe I would get it and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty proud of the, the industry at, at large. I think that we've, um, that we've, you know, really helped some people uh, in very tangible monetary ways recently. Now, looking at, at you personally as a business owner, what kind of lasting lessons have you taken away from doing business during a national crisis? And, and how do you think these lessons are going to serve you in the future? Um. I think, again, it goes back to the people, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that my team has been able to uh, rally and and because they um, they are loyal to me and they, they care about the team as a whole. Everybody has been great. You know, I mean, really right. down to the the most, uh, you know, coordinator type uh, position, you know, the entry level coordinator position that, that quite frankly, you know, might have made more money, uh, <laughs> you know, getting unemployment in the in the in the, you know, the federal federal money you know um but there was never a talk of that no no one ever mentioned that once you know said oh well mm-hmm. you know gee i can quit cheryl and make more money than what you're paying me you know at this entry level type of thing or whatever and i think that um so i think that that is something that i have really taken away how how much everybody has rallied to do the right thing um to take care of our clients uh yeah. to make sure that they're comfortable all of those kinds of things uh have been really important to me and and you'll you'll see that that's my sort of my um, my platform, I guess, is in business is that you you hire the right people and and um, and that really is going to to make it. You know, and you do have to kiss a few frogs, though. I'm not going to tell sure, you. That, sure. You know, Ten twenty years, I haven't kissed a few frogs. I've kissed a lot of frogs. I've kissed you know, dozens of frogs. Uh, but it's but that's something that I think that um, in this time of, um, of of uncertainty and and kind of you know, weirdness that just is like, what, what are we, what is going on here? What kind of mm-hmm. weird, you know, TV lifetime movie are we living in that this, <laughs> this virus is out there and, 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 you know, the, the disinformation and the, and really I'm not even sure if it's disinformation. It's just, is that we really don't know. We truly right. really don't know everything. And I think that you, it's, it cuts, cuts across uh, party lines. It cuts, 
cuts across really everything because there's there's just people really don't know. And, um, you know, even physicians that I know uh, that know very well because my ex-husband was a physician is looked at me and like, man, you know, I'm telling you, I think you know as much as I do. <laughs> I, sure. I read about it. You read about it. There's just it's just changing every day. And I think that now that well, we just had some new uh, information about the antibodies and that sort of thing today, and I haven't even paid that much attention to it yet, but I think there, there you go again, it's, it's something new and different. So as far as business goes, I think the business is there. Judging from the group, people are now starting to um, uh, accelerate projects. You know, my state has been open for a couple of weeks. Um, we kept working throughout uh, from home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and managing projects and, and do it, you know, we, we pivoted pretty, pretty quickly and easily uh, to keep business going. Um, and we, we certainly, we had to close our store because I do have a retail store. I didn't mention that in the um, right. intro when you were asking me about my business, but I have a retail store and uh, it's not a big retail store. I mean, I mean, the truth is, is that, that the majority of our sales still come from our clients. You know, the retail is a, is a different type of business model uh, for me, but it works really well, but it's not because I don't, I don't make money because tons of people are coming in and buying sofas and sinks and things like that. You know, that's not where we, that's not how it works. Uh, but I think that, um, but we still lost money uh, because the, the shop was, was closed for a certain amount of time and that sort of thing. So we had to get creative, you know, in some ways um, as devastating as this has been for so many people and, and especially, uh, you know, my own area has not been, terribly hard hit. Uh, but I have friends in New York, I have friends in California, I have friends in Chicago, you know, areas that have been hard hit. And I think mm-hmm. that um, despite that, uh, that very real um, loss of life and, and all the issues that have gone on, I think some of the silver linings, if you if you want to look at look at it that way, and it may be too soon for people to, to try to think that way, but is that it has made a lot of small business owners more creative with how they go about getting business and realizing that that our our um, this is a pretty big deal in our life and I think that it will change things going forward how we do business um, not not as much as maybe other people think I'm, I'm kind of the middle of the road on that but I do think that it it will change how we do business so um, I think people have to think about that and and you know when you're challenged when you're pushed up against the wall and you are really challenge that my personality type is to come out swinging you know I mean yeah like I'm not I mean I might my thought was and still is today I'm not I'm letting so stinking bug take me down you know <laughs> and I have to you know even though some days I'm like just like everybody else you know very up and down like oh my god you know like, what is going on what's happening here I have a friend that's sick with it and you know I'm, I'm scared for her and all those kinds yeah. of things and so so you go up and down with that, but overall, my attitude is um, is like when anybody pushes me up against the wall or anything is is to come out sort of swinging. And I think in in that, what I mean by that is more in a creative uh, sense and trying to uh, really brainstorm like the next best idea of how to how to run a business and how to make it work in a small business um, environment. And I think it may not be the popular. Um, thing to say, but I think the government's done pretty well by small businesses overall. The, the issue is, is that people have to have to try. You, know, you have to read about it. You have to stay aware of it. No one's going to come knocking on your door going, hey, would you like some money from the government for a small business loan? That's not going to happen. And that's not the reality of, you know, of it. I think people have to have a certain personal responsibility to uh, investigate their own um, options and and what they can do and how they can save their business rather than you know oh woe is me I'm I'm not doing well now in some areas 
it's it's obviously much harder. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not taking that for granted because I live in an area that hasn't been as hard hit. So um, I'm very cognizant of that because I I do work with a lot of designers across the country. I have several that are in the New York New Jersey area um, that I talk to, and that I'm I'm uh, coaching for lack of a better word. I hate that word. I like consulting better. Sure. Um, partner partnering partnering really is what I call it. I, I like to be the, the the partner that you can you know pay and then make go away you know you don't you don't like them or something you know it's not like you're stuck you know I'm a partner that you're not stuck with for the rest of your life um and uh so so I do realize that there's a lot of um it's very different in different parts of the country okay but overall what I'm seeing autumn is that the business is on the uptick for people and that um there's a lot more people now that we're that we're opening up there are clients that are coming back and saying yes I do want to do this and yes I do want to do that and and I think um, while they might not spend quite as much money as they they would have or something, uh, I think that uh, the economy is going to it's going to come back um, maybe just slower. But I do think it's going to come back if we can get people back to work. You know, I think that's the biggest sure. uh, issue facing us right now is the you know 40 million plus people uh, that are out of um, that are out of work. You know, it's just not good for them. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for you know business in general. You know, to have that. Um, so that's kind of my my thoughts on it in terms of, um, you know, what we've come out of it is that I just think that it has really incited our creativity and um, and our abilities to to really uh, also go out there and I say that we can't wait for a customer or a client to come to us that we have to go out there and slay the dragon you know <laughs> we have to go out there and grab that customer by the neck and say you know here we are you know and we're awesome and we're great and this is why we're so great and this is you know why you need us and all that sort of thing and and to listen to their to their problems and and try to uh, be solution oriented um, whereas I think that's a that's a relatively novel uh, concept for a lot of uh, retail based um, you know clients and even designers that that maybe um, uh, that work in a uh, kitchen and bath uh, built, uh, you know, um, uh, dealership or in a um, dealership. That's not what they're called, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but if, if for if for people that own um, companies where they're doing more just strictly kitchens and bathrooms, um, you know, hey, life's been good for the last few years. You know, I mean, it has. Mm-hmm. I mean, business has been strong overall. We've had our best years that we've ever had, and I think that um, we can't rest on those uh, laurels anymore. And if if nothing else, I think that this this virus has this sort of business interruption, if you will, has shown us that um, you can't you can't be complacent. You know, it, it makes me think autumn of like uh, some of the businesses, um, for example, like the Gap or uh, Sears or some of those kind of companies. Um, and this sure. is pre-virus, you know. But but what happened to them? It, are they indicative that retail is dead, or did they just get fat and happy, you know, and, and complacent because I was a huge gap follow, you know, shopper, you know, I'm their era, you know, I was a huge gap shopper and, and Jimboree. Oh boy. I bought all my kids clothes at Jimboree. I don't even think they're a business anymore, but at, you know, pier one, another one, you know, did they, did they change? Did they really, did they get complacent and, and let, let it go and, and not really be innovative and looking for, a different way to run a business and different ways to go out and, and attract consumers, you know, and, and personally, you know, that's what I think. I, I think that they did. And I think that's one of the reasons why some of these iconic businesses 
um, that are large have failed. Uh, you know, they might have also grown too fast. They might have, uh, you know, too much fat, you know, in their company, all the things that are typical of a large business, large uh, corporation failing like that. But I think at the heart and the lesson to the rest of us that are small business owners is that you need to be not complacent ever. Like I'm never complacent. You know, my husband wishes I was complacent even for <laughs> 20 minutes. He wishes I would sit on the sofa and be complacent, but it's not my nature to be that way. And I think that owning a business um, is sort of, uh, you, you, complacency is something that doesn't really exist. You know, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know that very many business owners um, that are on a growth trajectory anyway, uh, a trajectory would really say that they are ever complacent. And, um, and I think that's good because to me, that is what one of the things that has come out of this virus, uh, you know, historical time in our, in our um, country is that you can't be complacent. You know, what, what got you where you are today is not sufficient to keep you there. And uh, that's not my quote. That's somebody's quote that I've had for, you know, a hundred years. And um, I think it's more true now than it has ever been in the past. And that would be something that I, I think that everybody should really write down somewhere and put on your mirror and, and think about that every single day is what got me to where I am today is not sufficient to keep me here and to be, um, to be thinking in an innovative uh, manner as much as they can, you know, have the wherewithal to do. Definitely. And, you know, as a design professional, you're kind of uniquely positioned to understand how people's relationships, like clients' relationships with their homes are changing as we're all working from home. Um, I'm wondering, how do you picture design evolving kind of in the wake of events? Like, how have people's home needs and values changed? Well, let's see. Let me think about that. I think that's been evolving for a while, even before the virus, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I think that um, I think it's cyclical. A lot of a lot of, um, you know, I think everything is cyclical to some degree. And I'm old enough to have seen these cycles or trends or, or I think more people are going to be likely to um, to be at home and to to think about, you know, uh, their space better. I mean, a space not better, but um more effectively, you know, in the yeah. sense that is it, is it functional? Is it not just nice looking? Because, you know, everybody's been concerned about that. You know, we're it's America, you know, people are concerned about how things look. So I think it's it's more of like, does it function for me? You know, does it function for me? And, and um, you know, even in my own personal uh, kitchen redo um, from two years ago, um, you know, it, it's a cottage. I live on the beach and it's a, it's a cottage type style house. Um, but I will say that um, I am, uh, you know, I, I, I did not want to deal with the cleanup anymore. I'm at a certain yeah. point in my life where it's just like the looks matter, but you know what? The function is really important to me. And so I did slab doors, you know, and so it's a, it's a more traditional style. Um, but I, in my opinion, because I'm a good designer, I can make a slab door look very traditional if I need to, or very cottage or, or whatever the style is, that sure. fairly eclectic actually. But so my point is, is that, is that I think that, you know, that was a function thing to me. I did not want to have to clean the little grooves of cabinet doors, okay? I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a slab door that I could clean. And it looks nice and clean, and it doesn't clutter up uh, my life because I've got a cluttered brain, you know, to begin with. So I think that what people are doing now is, is uh, and what I'm seeing from my own clients, is that they are not only concerned about, they've always been concerned about how it looks, but it's also like 
well, Cheryl, let's talk about the function of this. And, and let's talk about what I'm doing here. And I'm going to be spending more time in my house. And, and now also, you know, I may be having more friends over. I may be entertaining more in small groups, right? Yeah. Instead of going out to a big concert or instead of, you know, going out. And, and of course, naturally for us in the kitchen and bath world, the kitchens are certainly going to take a higher priority because uh, people are going to be um, cooking at home more. You know, I, I don't, I haven't gone to a restaurant yet, even though our, our restaurants have been open for uh, probably three weeks now. I haven't gone to one other than to, take, to do takeout because I'm very big on supporting the local businesses. And quite frankly, <laughs> the takeout is doing is, is booming around here. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I was asking how this is going. They're like, we're going, we're going great. You still have to wait 30 or 40 minutes to get your food. Um, so, uh, so I think that's good. That's a good sign. But, but I, but I think that we are cooking more at home. Um, you know, my husband and I, and I, and I'm not a big cook. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, more of a short order chef kind of sure. person. Uh, but he's, uh, but he's been cooking more. He's been enjoying it more. And so I think that that is um, sort of taking a, that pause button that people talk about is, uh, you know, is, is important in terms of your, your, um, you know, your spaces, you know, and so your kitchen for sure is one of those because you, I think most people are um, cooking at home more. I think that that's just a natural sort of outgrowth of what's happening. And what's also interesting, and this has been a trend, I think, for quite some time now, is how many men are cooking. Mm. Because I will tell you, Autumn, that most of my friends, their husbands are the ones who cook. But, but you know, I think that overall, this is because of the virus and, and all that, people will be at home more. And it's very natural that they're going to be looking at, um, you know, hey, maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to do that. But I think that that part is the obvious part. I think what's maybe not as obvious, and that what I'm noticing is more that uh, functionality coming back um, and how things really are working and flowing and all of that, which is a big deal to me because when we design plans from the ground up, um, that's my sweet spot, man. I mean, like if you, Autumn, if you build a home, you need to send me the plans. Okay. I'm just telling you this okay. because it is, it is my sweet spot and I can, I am just very creative with it and also very good at visualizing the flow and asking the right questions to get the right answers from you that you may not have even known. Like you might not even realize that, oh, that's a good question, Cheryl. I, let me think about that for a minute. And then it impacts how we design a house for you. So the reason I bring that up is because I think that that's something that is more important for kitchen and bath designers to really be focusing on is, is that plan and plan review and not, and not um, really letting the clients dictate it so much as you going through a process. Um, years ago, I used to sit, in, when I would design a kitchen, I would sit, I would ask, this was part of my requirement, is I would want to sit in your kitchen with you while you prepared a meal. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to watch you cook and watch you move around the space because I don't believe there's one size fits all. But I think that there are times when certain uh, guidelines in, in anything, any design, need to be broken based on a particular idiosyncrasy of the person who's doing the, the primary cooking in the, in the family. And so I really think that's something I'm going to get back more into. I mean, as I got busy and, yeah, I was got a blah, 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 you know, that kind of went by the wayside. But for the first probably 30 kitchens I designed, I really, I, I sat there, preferably with a glass of wine, of course, um, and Naturally. watched the, the client move about the kitchen, about the space and where they went and, and how efficient they were in their movements and all those sort of things. Because I think you have to sort of uh, – um, deconstruct why a space is not working for somebody mm -hmm. if it is a functional uh, issue before you can reconstruct, if that makes any sense. 
Listen, Cheryl, it has been awesome talking with you today. Great. I hope I haven't, you know, gone on and on too much. Oh, gosh, no, not at all. It was all excellent. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, it's been great talking to you. It always is. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. KBD Radio is hosted and produced by Autumn McGar with music by David Ayala. For more information about kitchen and bath design news, please visit our website at kitchenbathdesign.com. <laughs>